39, if you'd like to follow on your pew Bible, you may. It's on page 35 in the New Testament section. You, this month, we've been spending the majority of our time in the book of Mark. In that very first chapter, you may recall that Mark um, has no Christmas story. There is no baby Jesus, no shepherds, no wise men. Just straight, we meet Jesus right there at the Jordan River being baptized. And from there, Jesus goes and he um, goes into a synagogue. It's quick. Boom, 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 boom. And right now, even within this first chapter, Jesus is out of the synagogue preaching onto the streets. This is where we pick up this morning. I invite you now to listen to God's word. As soon as they left the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told him about her at once. He came and he took her by the hand and lifted her up. Then the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening, at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick and possessed by demons. And the whole city was gathered around the door. And he cured cured many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak, because they knew him. In the morning, while it was still dark, he got up. And he went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. And Simon and his companions hunted for him. When they found him, they said to him, Everyone is searching for you. He answered, Let us go on to our neighboring towns, so that I may proclaim the message there also. For there is what I came out to do. And he went throughout Galilee, proclaiming the message in their synagogue, and casting out demons. Friends, the word of our Lord. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Looking around our religious landscape, the culture of our world, I've noticed that healing, healing tends to get talked about in one of two different ways. Sam Wells has called these loud healing and quiet healing. Loud healing involves a lot of shouting, uh, use of plenty of expansive hand gestures, and often stretches the name of Jesus into four syllables, Jesus, or something like that. Quiet healing. Use the words like wholeness and journey. It tends to avoid large crowds. And it's pretty resistant to definitions, except keeping its distance from loud healing. Looking beyond the religious landscape of our culture, healing seems to be something that we're all searching for. Whether that be the healing of wounds that are dividing us in America, whether it be politically or religiously or socially, or watching the news internationally, including Gaza and the Red Sea and Iran, Israel's borders, not to mention our own. We can see within this world, something's not well, and it needs healing. And this is is matched with each of our personal challenges. As each of us here today are facing, in one way or another, cancer, anxiety, addictions, or some other daunting diagnosis, 
And we find ourselves searching and praying this very morning for healing. This is where we find Jesus in the second half of the passage we read this morning. After healing Simon's mother-in-law and many others the day before, Jesus wakes up early, goes into a deserted place to pray. It doesn't say what Jesus was praying for, I would imagine. Maybe Jesus was praying for healing of his own tiredness. Maybe healing for others. Or just the strength to go forth with God's will. Whatever it was, Jesus' prayer was interrupted by the disciples. Everyone is searching for you, they tell Jesus. And I still think this is true. Everyone searching for Jesus, that is. We may find in our culture it's too secular to admit it or far too sophisticated to use such language to say things like Jesus, but whether it's loud or quiet, we're all searching for Jesus' healing. Theologian Douglas John Hall says that North Americans are on the quest for four things, the quest for moral authenticity, for meaning, for community, for transcendence and mystery, and just plain old meaning. In his book, Why Christian Hall Imagines a Conversation with the Student, a composite um, uh, from his teachings and career throughout his time at McCall University. I'm not interested in going to heaven, the student says to McCall, to Hall, excuse me. In fact, I'm doing everything I can to avoid heaven. So when I hear people being saved, people talking about this Savior and that Savior, about how great it would be when they die, I have to wonder what they must think about their life. If they're so enthusiastic about wrapping it all up, I'm not worried about hell either. I don't feel any guilt about that. What do you worry about? Paul asked. Well, fairly often, actually, I feel purposeless. Like, who needs me? A large number of my contemporaries can't even find work that's worth anything. It's going to get worse, I believe. Who does need me? Does life have any meaning? The healing for most Westerners today is not dread or death or a crippling sense of guilt, Paul suggests. It's this gnawing suspicion that human beings may be purposeless. Loud healing, quiet healing. A world that seems to be spinning out of control. A painful sickness and personal struggles, including our own sense of belonging, all lead us back to this passage this morning, and everyone searching for Jesus which provokes a singular, uncomfortable 21st century theological question. Does God heal? The disciples in the crowd hunting for Jesus thought so, which I assume they were more in line with that loud healing, big crowds, lots of actions, and who could blame them? Scripture says that God, Jesus was casting out demons and carrying many along the way. But here is the thing with these healings. 
None of these people that were healed by Jesus were cured forever. Even Simon's mother-in-law had to have gotten sick again. None of them are still walking around today. Every one of them end up dying. There's so many healing stories in the scriptures. It's easy to glaze over and think, oh, just another healing story. But in fact, there is no such thing as just another healing story. Every healing story in the Bible is there for a reason. It's telling us something specific about salvation. Pay attention to Simon's mother-in-law. After Jesus cures her from her illness, she begins to serve. Jesus has not only given this woman a, a healthy body, but he's put new purpose, a new person, a sense of meaning and belonging into that body. This is because the New Testament healing and salvation are more or less the same thing. Anytime that you read, and they left and were made well. They can also be translated, and they were saved. We find that hard to grasp because we think that healing is a present thing for the body, while salvation is some future thing for the soul. But that's not what the New Testament is saying at all. Uh, for Bible, salvation refers to everything God wants for us, everything God wants for the world, and every way God touches our lives, healing is the same thing. And so what are we doing if we're praying for healing? Or what are we avoiding when we mumble something that is decidedly not a prayer for healing? And do we ever dare pray for salvation? The good news of salvation, the good news of healing, is they don't always come together. But they're all wrapped up into one another. Uh, the mistake to, is a mistake to assume that we can have one healing without the other salvation. To understand the relationship between healing and salvation, we need to name precisely what salvation is. Salvation is about the past. It's also about the future. Salvation is a transformation of our past, of all the burning gifts, from grief and regret to wisdom and joy. And salvation is a transformation of our future, from a place of anxiety, a place of fear, a place of uncertainty, to a time of hope and promise. When we talk about the salvation of the past, we call that the forgiveness of sins. When we talk about the salvation of the future, we call it eternal life. These are the gifts that Jesus brought in his life. Death, resurrection, the forgiveness of sins, the eternal life. The restoration of the past and the promise of the future. This is what salvation is. And if that's what salvation is, then what is healing? We know that even when we've been forgiven, there's still... well. A mess to deal with. Forgiveness takes away the guilt and the blame, but doesn't immediately take away all that pain and all the hurt and all the damage. No, something else is required. 
especially in the days that we are living in through right now. Some taste of hope and the promise of the future is needed today, is needed now, because these are parts of our lives and our relationships and our communities that are diseased and disordered and distressed. So something is required now, right now. The name we give to these two things part that remains to be done when, when forgiveness has done its work, and the part that we need to be done right now, despite our hope for eternal life, the name we give to that right now, today, is healing. This is what salvation means. There's forgiveness, there's eternal life. And in between, to fill up that gap, to fill up that space, any lingering about forgiveness and everlasting life, there's healing. Healing names the gap between forgiveness and eternal life. Sometimes, uh, when forgiveness and sin and the hope are present, the gap may be quite small. But for most of us, there's always a gap that we struggle. The late Wendell Berry once wrote, This I thought is what I meant by thy will be done in the Lord's prayer, which I prayed time and time again without even thinking about it. It means that your will and God's will may not be the same. It means there's a good possibility that you won't get what you pray for. It means, in spite of your prayers, you, me, and everyone else will suffer. And that suffering, sometimes what we most need is forgiveness. Sometimes it's hope to carry us to tomorrow and beyond. And some days, it's healing. You know, if you're a million miles from forgiveness and eternal life, healing isn't really going to help you. But there are those other times, even in grief, when the reign of God is so near, all caught up right there together. What we think we want is healing. What we think we want is this immediate transaction. Something to take away all that pain right now that each of us have all felt in our lives. What we truly need is forgiveness and eternal life. Sometimes we get healing. Sometimes we don't. If we get healing in the context of forgiveness in the past and the hope for eternal future is a kind of fulfillment of forgiveness and an anticipation for eternal life. But if we get healing with the absence of the things that we really need, we may find that healing useless. And that takes us back to Simon's mother-in-law. Pay attention to the movement of what is taking place. She's in bed, perhaps at her rock bottom, searching for answers. The family has no answers. There's nowhere else to search. They hunt for Jesus to find that Jesus was already there in the house. Just like God lifting Jesus from the tomb on Easter morning, Jesus takes this woman by the hand. The person that everyone assumed had seen her better days and lifts her up. Being in love with Jesus, she is made new. And like Jesus, she begins to serve. She's given a purpose 
a meaning and new life. Here's a context for all of us searching for Jesus and all those who have no idea who or what they're searching for, but yet we know they're searching for Jesus. Forgiveness and eternal life, restored relationships and this dismantling of death in the face of God's glory. Oh, and sandwiched in between, healing. Healing is the only context. It's the only context for us that makes any sense. A couple of years ago, when fuel prices skyrocketed across the globe, and Helmut Pruitt, uh, the owner of the Brickyard Bakery, read in his local paper there were retirees within his own community that would not um, afford to, that could not afford to heat their homes. So to keep warm, they chose to instead ride local buses all day long. Feeling a little guilty and also a little worried about health, Ed began searching for what he could do. Then it hit him. It was so obvious. It was right there in front of him. It was in his building the entire time. In his bakery, the room right above his kitchen was always warm. Of course it was always warm. It was right above this giant industrial um, oven. So Ed, well, Ed got busy. He refurbished the room, he added a few comfy chairs, a small table, and a lamp, and then he announced on social media, for anyone searching for a warm place to go, he had a place where people were welcome, free of charge, to sit and chat and to linger and to stay warm all day long. The room now has a group of regulars that meet there every single day, and as Christmas rolled around, it offered to bake and serve these people Christmas cakes in a big old oven that was heating that room. Why not, Ed said. It's already on. And there's nothing like warm bread to heal the soul. In these swirling days of personal struggles, of challenging diagnoses, political polarization of violence, of terror, the threats of war, our server comes up to our table and asks, Oh, what can I get you? I'll take healing, please. Would you like that with forgiveness and eternal life? No, thank you. I'll just take it as it comes. That's the human condition. We want healing without salvation. But what does God offer? God offers us forgiveness of sins and life eternal. And sometimes, sometimes, sandwiched in between is healing. And sometimes not. And of course we long for that healing. Of course we do. Some people right here into this morning are yearning for healing right now more deeply than anything they know, deeply than anything they can imagine. So we pray. We pray and we pray and we pray without ceasing. And what God gives us over and over and over again is forgiveness and eternal life. Everything we need in the past and everything we can imagine for the future. Sometimes they're so close together that we ourselves call that healing. And sometimes even when, we, when they aren't especially close together, healing comes and it fits perfectly within that gap. 
And sometimes healing comes, but forgiveness and eternal life are so far that the healing is no good for us. So that question, does God heal? Can only be asked alongside the question, does God save? And here are the answers. Does God heal me? Sometimes. Does God save me? Will God save the world? Always. 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 Always.